Oh, hello, my people. Welcome back. My guest today is none other than Scottish person, comedian and friend of the show, Daniel Sloss. He was playing in Newcastle at the stand and stopped by for a, a quick tea and a socially distanced podcast on his way down. This is the first in-person podcast I've done in seven months, and it felt so much better. Like, I'm happy. I'll record over Skype. I will keep the show ticking over. But fuck me, it's so much better to actually be in a room with someone talking like normal humans. Um, Daniel had a bit of a tough year. He's had unbelievable success over the last 18 months, last two years or so. Um, and that all kind of came crashing down when the world stopped. And weirdly enough, I went for lunch with him in March, just before all of this happened. Um, and the six-month period in between then and now has been a roller coaster of emotions, including him starting therapy, beginning meditating, uh, suffering quite a lot with some ego depletion and depression and a bunch of other things. Uh, this is um, a very different Daniel to the one that I sat down with 18 months ago when I first met him, um, but I actually think it's very much for the for the benefit of, uh, of his well-being long-term. Uh, and hopefully a lot of the things that he talks about today will res resonate with you. Um, if someone who has millions of adoring fans all over the world can struggle when a global pandemic hits, it's kind of reassuring for the normies amongst us, right? Like if, if Daniel struggles, then it kind of gives us more license too. And he has some really nice lessons that he's got out of it. Uh, some relationship advice, as you would expect from the man behind Jigsaw. Yeah, today is just, it's so sick. Uh, I really, really enjoy spending time with him. Uh, and his new book's out next year, so we'll get him on again when that is up. If you enjoy this episode, please send it to a friend. That is the best way that you can support the show. The only way that it grows is by people like you sending it to people like you. This might have been how you were introduced to the show in the first place. Someone said, oh, you listen to a podcast, you should, you should check out this guy. Uh, be that guy or girl for another guy or girl. Just, just put it in a group chat, send it to someone, and it might actually help them uh, reframe what they should have learned from 2020. In other other news. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by The Protein Works. Their Super Greens Powder is still the best greens drink I have ever found. You and me both know that you're not eating enough fruit and veg. Even if you're a vegan, all you vegans, they, you don't, no one eats enough fruit and veg. And the easiest way to supplement that is to add in a greens drink. It tastes fantastic. It's really easy to mix once a day on a morning. And it, it just gives you a nice baseline of micronutrients. On top of that, there is a pandemic roaming around outside. So vitamin D3, something else that I would highly, highly recommend. They've got some amazing tasting protein powders, including their Total Whey 90 and some great protein ice isolates, maltodextrin and carb drinks if you're looking to gain some weight or get some intra-workout nutrition in there, some green tea tablets, also part of my favorite, some omega-6s, everything that I use from the Protein Works, you can see, check out under the hood of what I'm putting in my body at theproteinworks.com slash modern wisdom. You can see everything that I use from them, including all of my favorite flavors of their protein bites, their crunky, all of the foods that they make, which are unbelievable. And some of which I've had to ban myself from because they're like little balls of crack. Uh, you can see it all and get 35% off with the code modern35. Is it 35% off? It might be. It is. Uh, why am I looking at videos of no fap? No, I don't need that. 
And this is why Dean's supposed to be here. He's supposed to be here helping me, but he's not here today. Uh, modern 35, modern 35, 35% off everything at theproteinworks.com slash modern wisdom. Also works site-wide. So if there's something that I don't use and you want to add it, modern 35 will get you 35% off what is already incredibly cheap supplements. Head to theproteinworks.com slash modern wisdom to check them all out. Oh, but for now, it's time for the wise and Scottish Daniel Sloss. I'm joined by Daniel Sloss. Yeah, there's no audience. Oh, there hasn't been. There's no audience no, anywhere. No, there is not. <laughs> How is it being a comedian during a pandemic? Tell me about it. Um, I mean, it wasn't. It's fine now. It's good now. Like I'm, I'm. It's uh, some gigs are slowly starting to break back. Over the past uh, month and a half, I've had probably about close to twenty gigs, and it's those have been really nice because even though it's much much smaller crowds than been used to, especially in the past two years, uh, it feels like being four or five years into comedy again. Like, it's, you know how there's some people out there who go like, oh, I'd never go back to high school. And there's other people who be like, I'd love to go back to high school with the knowledge I have now. It's kind of like that, man. Like, I get to go, you know, smaller audiences, ones that, you know, that I would used to play into seven or eight years ago, but now I just get to play to them with this, I don't know, this wealth of experience that I have. It's, and it's, it's fun. I'm sort of relearning bits of stand-up as well. I'm relearning skills that I haven't had to use for years. And um, oh, it's, it, th- that's been positive. But it's taken six fucking months to get there. <laughs> Do you feel out of sorts? Do you feel like you had the sort of the off-season yips when you got back into it? Um, a, li- oh, a little bit. Like, there was, it was the first time I did it. It was the first time in a long time that I'd been nervous. Uh, Why were you nervous? Because cause oh, I lost all of my self-worth during fucking lockdown, you know. Suddenly going, you know, I've, 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 had, I've had a very, very good career. Um, but especially in the past two years has been immensely, yeah, intense, man. Netflix came out and you go from playing 400 seater rooms to 3,000 seater rooms. And it's an 18-month tour that takes, you know, 300 shows. And, you know, it's all very, very exciting. And, and for the past... 10 years, all of my confidence, all of my self-worth, all of who I am, I have gotten from the love and approval of strangers. And it's been brilliant for the past 10 years. It's been absolutely brilliant. It's a very strong scaffolding to very, lay your life upon for as long as it's still there. For as long as it's still there. So it was a, if you imagine my life as a, my personality and who I am as a human <laughs> being is a fucking Jenga tower. <laughs> Someone's just come in at the very bottom. I, and took all three and went, do you need these? And I'm like, No! <laughs> And uh, the tower fucking... But obviously in that situation, what I desperately tried to do was to try and prop the fucking tower back up on... What did you prop it up with? Uh, just... I mean, for the first two months, uh, it was bad because I'd been so desperate for time off for so long. I like, saw you, I think, two days after you got back. We went for lunch in Edinburgh. Yeah. And that was like the middle of March. It was two days before... Lockdown came in. Um, sorry, before Americans weren't allowed to go back to America, yeah. and I remember because the chick that I was with in Edinburgh had left me at four a.m. Yes, and I'm like, is this actually just all a big? No, 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 no. no. I'm sure. That, I'm sure that that was what the truth was. Yeah. Um, and so I'd seen you, and you were like, <laughs> like this is lovely. But still, even then, only two days after you'd finished, 
in the back of your head, you had this Australia tour and the book, Aye. which we're going to get into. Um, and even then, you were already kind of putting yourself into that. Well, because I've always got that. So, like, I've whenever I've had time off, it's always been like I've got this next month off, and I know after that I'm on tour for another six weeks. I'm on tour for another six months. So it's I was really good at cramming my time off. Like I would be like, right over the next month, I'm doing shit all. I'm sitting in a beanbag. I'm playing Xbox all day, and I'm smoking weed every second of every day of my existence because I've earned this. I work for those months. This is my time off. I've got this job coming up then, and it's. Whereas this didn't feel like time off. This felt like fucking unemployment. <laughs> like it felt <laughs> like just suddenly, like in a, in, in a time when like the, the people were throwing words around key workers and key, like crucial workers, and you're like, "Fuck, I'm so pointless to the world." There's no like, <laughs> I, the I, pointless workers that? Like yeah, and it's, and it's us as comedians. It's the last one. You go, "Fuck, we're dead. We're not needed right now." And there's and yeah, and I was just I couldn't. I couldn't handle the time off because it just, it just had a nagging voice in the back of my head going, this isn't time off. You're not doing anything. Like this isn't, you know, there isn't a tour in two months that you're going to get money from. There isn't a fucking, you know, uh, a show that you need to be working on because there's no audience. And uh, it took me a while to sort of realise what was going on because I was just, man, uh, smoking weed, living my life, bothering my poor girlfriend, just like fucking <laughs> tapping her on the shoulder, being like, hey, hey, fill the fucking void. I need you to love me as much as 2,000 strangers do on a regular basis. You're busy. Sorry. I'll go. And, uh, so, but in a way, also, like, kind of glad it happened because I had to, I had to really look long and hard in the fucking mirror. Because I've been, I've been Daniel Sloss for, it's intensely for, like, the past 18 months. And then I was just... Daniel. <laughs> Dan. I, Dan. Who the fuck's Dan? Yeah, I've not met him since he was a 17-year-old who was just fucking, you know, insecure in high school, who was starting to do stand-up as a hobby, and there was only, like, the slight hopes in the back of his head that he might be able to make money out of it one day. And, uh, fuck, he doesn't have any hobbies. <laughs> <laughs> He's a boring guy. God, so fucking boring. Because I suddenly, I didn't have, because my life was so intensely stand-up all the time, like, I didn't need... Hobbies. You like weren't a, even writing, going out to do things to find material for the next yeah. show because the next show wasn't going to happen at any point soon. Yeah, and normally I just got to go to the next city. I get to meet people, I drink, I do drugs, I fucking party, I live the life, and that's, you know. And then suddenly I'm just in my house just going, fucking, what do I do? <laughs> like, I don't, <laughs> I don't have any interests. Like, it turns out my only hobby was marijuana. So, uh, <laughs> but, but what was really nice, I did start discovering, like, uh, not parts of myself that I'd sort of suppressed, but parts of myself that, I don't know, when I was a teenager, I wasn't confident enough to to enjoy them. But like, fucking D&D, man. You really? <laughs> oh, God. Online or? Man, all of it. I'm the bit, I love nerd shit. I've, the, the five hours today I spent in a fucking uh, games, uh, like a board game shop, just fucking reading nerd books surrounded by nerds. And I was like, this is where I belong. I'm with my people. With my fucking people. People that I deny. <laughs> These mouth-breathing, yeah. neck-bearded incels over here. Yeah. yeah. Well, but, I, but because I've been, no, man, there's nerds are the best. <laughs> They're so, you know. So I just ended up talking to the owner of the place just about uh, comic books and stuff for a bit. So I got to do... I don't know. I got to I got to start DMing sessions. I am a dungeon master, so I got to do okay. that with a bunch of friends. All right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And through uh, Zoom, hmm? Zoom through Zoom, yes. And uh, man, lot, lot, lot of fun and like uh, 
Just I, I, like just uh, doing like archaeology on the old me and being like, I wonder if this still fits my personality. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, is this thing I enjoyed when I was seventeen still fit in there? And apparently um, it is. Some of it's still there, and it's my. It's been good. Thanks to I mean, thanks to fucking therapy and meditation and whatnot. It's been a lot easier now, and I'm infinitely happier. Though. I'm glad we didn't do this interview four months ago. <laughs> yeah, were you crying, weeping mess in the corner? Aye. Do you aye. think that if it wasn't for the fact that you're talented and have been blessed with some like semi okay good looks, that you would really really struggle in life? Because Dungeons and Dragons, the Wii, like you have the makings of a really like successful incel Aye. but you've managed to like get past that oh I think I would have man had I not discovered comedy I would have I would have absolutely been a fucking uh, right wing internet fucking troll uh, from the bottom I truly fucking had I not discovered comedy I would have been one of the I would have been a fucking proud boy man <laughs> You and Gavin McGinnis. Yeah, man. If if I fuck if I hadn't like got into comedy like and, and had this world where I just got to meet so many different people from so many, you know, different backgrounds and, and get to travel the world and experience things, uh, I would have absolutely been one of them. You know, you know, it's hard being a white man. Like <laughs> that would have been me. Because I would have had nothing else to put it into. I would have just been because I was quite an angry teenager, and, and then I mean I've still got some anger within me. Well, I mean, we all do, but you know I got to I got to put that anger into stand up. I got to put it into the performance. All the all this stuff I had, there was an outlet for it. And thank God, because if it hadn't been, it would have just been I would have shot up a school, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, it's interesting that people who don't have that outlet and don't find something in life, I think, struggle with like their internal monologue. And and one of the interesting comments Douglas Murray made on a show that I did with him recently was he's adamant that the people who have the most extreme views on the left and the right have never traveled. So it's because as soon as you travel and you start to meet people from different cultures, yeah. you realize like they're actually really far. I want to know Jap- like a Japanese person, like they're fucking sick. And like, yeah, Chinese government probably needs a bit of work, but like you meet some people from China, yeah, yeah. from China and you're like, fuck, like, this is awesome. And you're, you know what I mean? Aye, this, you, 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 when you get to travel, you see the, humanity that is so common across the world. You go, here's all these people that, you know, they're so different to who I am. And then you just see a mum yelling at a child and you go, oh, that's how my mum yelled at me. Oh, we're all the same. We are literally, we're all the same fucking species. We were just born in different parts. Um, Yeah, I think it's, and I think it's such a, a, such an important thing to travel, but it's such an unfortunate thing that it's, you know, it's something that, you have to have money to do. Imagine, and, imagine if you'd not had this kind of like weird sabbatical break aye. from doing your comedy, and perhaps you further layered more and more and more and more aye. life oh. and ego. Have you considered this? The fact yeah, yeah, that yeah. the the, the um, stool's been turned upside down a little bit, and you're balancing it on one leg, and then start. You know, do you remember Tom and Jerry? I do. And when they'd like the the fridge would be balanced on top of a fork upside down on the floor, and then yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's kind of a, what would have happened had it have been 40 year old Daniel, 50 year old Daniel, like coming to the end of his career and then being like, 17 oh, year old Daniel's still in here, by the way, dickhead. Uh, well, the eagle would have become, I mean, and, catastrophic. And, yes. And, and, and I say that as somebody whose eagle two years ago would have been described by some of my friends as catastrophic. <laughs> you know, a lot of the elegant things. Uh, I used to say and still sometimes say, like a lot of the time I go, oh, my, my tongue is firmly in my cheek. 
And upon further reflection now, it fucking wasn't. <laughs> I was just, uh, it was this sort of disguise of, hey, if I, if I, if I acknowledge how arrogant I am, that I'm going to try and pass that off as self-awareness and irony. Because e- even last year, I remember part of the show that you were doing, that you were touring on quite heavily, was breaking the fourth wall about this way that you are with yourself, like my charisma is built around the, this thing. So it's, mm. you are right, it's a level of self-awareness, but it's also only like about that thick. Yeah. It's a veneer that allows you to Get make a proxy yeah. for like self-awareness, but you're right, it's without doing the real work. It's like when people do ironic racism, you go, ah, but you, even though you're doing it ironically, you still want to say those things. <laughs> like that's not, you don't maybe say them with malice or hatred or whatever, but there's still a deep, it, it comes from an ignorant and, and, and fearful fucking place. It's the same <laughs> as the, the people who are the most vehemently anti-gay. They're the ones who are the most aroused when you put them in an MRI mm. and work at a play gay porn in front of them. Yeah. <laughs> the yeah. who, can't, who can't switch off the arousal bit, but like the lady doth protest too much. I sort of keep it in. How much have you been able to create content then? Is a pandemic like a goldmine for content or is it quite difficult to turn COVID-19 into something funny? It's been real hard. I have the... Worst internet connection in the world. Uh, I live in a part of Edinburgh, which for some reason uh, is just people. There's uh, my download speed is uh, seven megabits per second, and my upload speed is points point two. Can't do anything. Uh, can't do anything. And then obviously, and then the pandemic hit, and that all sort of goes down. So I really wanted to get into. I've got so many friends that are really good at like streaming on Twitch, and it's and it seems to be like. A good. It's, it just seemed like it's something fun to do during lockdown. I go a lot. I love, I love playing computer games. Like people enjoy watching me talk for whatever fucking reason. Like I started doing a thing on Instagram Live, which was just day drinking with Dan because I was day drinking anyway. <laughs> and people were like, "What are you up to?" And I was like, "This." So I just sit and get drunk during the day on Instagram Live, and 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 it's one of the weird things that happens in this fucking life. But like. I think the average viewership while it was live was about 1,200 people, but then it would get like 50,000 views altogether. And you go, why are people watching <laughs> you get pissed? But they, I'm blessed that people care. Yeah, and enjoy, for some reason, me ranting about things that I'm semi-passionate about, but then pretending to be really enraged by them. People enjoy watching and... I felt like I could do that on Twitch, but I just don't have this fucking internet connection. It's finally happening now. I've, uh, I have, the, I promise you, I have the most, and I'll, and I'll tell you off camera, I have the most expensive internet connection in the UK, <laughs> available, bar none. <laughs> uh, and it's still not in yet, but I hope to. Uh, it just seemed, Twitch seems so interesting to me because it's. I, I think everyone only really knows it as this sort of gaming platform, but having watched what people like like Lemmy's able to do on it and the people are doing different sort of shows on it and cooking shows, it's just a new platform. And I think in the next year or two, one comedian is going to do one thing on Twitch and the rest of us are going to go, oh, there we it. go, that's it. That's the one. And the good thing about Twitch is it's a direct relationship between you and your audience. You don't have anyone from the BBC who hasn't stepped foot in a comedy club in the past seven years being like, hey, 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 we know you're great and we know you've got all these fans, but let us tell you what we think your <laughs> fans want. Do I watch comedy? No, no, I don't. Am I the head of comedy? Yes, I am. That's me, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm desperate for any world where I don't have to work with a fucking BBC or any shit like that again. So Twitch seems to be the... I had a, uh, we had a, a porn star sat right where you are, actually, nice. uh, not long ago, um, Sienna, and she was talking about, she'd been in the game for a little while, maybe like eight years, 
And she was talking about the transition from the like typical porn model working for Brazzers or Fake Taxi or right. whoever it might be, um, and like getting paid like okay, but not they don't get mental money compared with how much they make. And then OnlyFans came along, and then MyMe.VIP came along, and they were able to have direct creator to fan like mm. interaction, uh, the ability to get tipped and 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 make money. And she has decentralized and taken complete ownership of her own earning potential. And now she uses Brazzers and Fake Taxi as the front end of her funnel to be like, I know this will get 4 million plays on Pornhub. Then some percentage of those people will find me. Then some percentage of those people will join my OnlyFans. And now she's making like 10 grand a week Mm. doing what she was doing in any case, but doesn't have to leave a house. Had to like renovate a room into like this, there's probably glitter everywhere, you know, and like feather boas around, I imagine, and lots of rubber things. But like other than that, she's now completely in control. And it seems a little bit like every different industry is trying to find its niche for that. Like Mm. even esports has gone from it being esports, getting uh, paid by perhaps winnings and competitions to now Twitch decentralized you to consumer and it seems like comedians perhaps might go the same way well I mean plenty of comedians are there's some comedians who are really really good at Twitter I've already said Lemmy he's I watch his Twitch all the time he's so good on it Ian Sterling's on uh, Twitch as well Gareth Waugh does uh, um, he just he plays scary games in the dark he's he's (laughs) one of the biggest whips in the world and and it's great it's great to watch somebody who hates scary games <laughs> play scary games and you get to scare them during it as well you can like Twitch is so many of these interaction things that I'm still also you can about. send in like a ghost or whatever to go and do well, it no 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 because he was because you could so if you bid like 500 he has to play it in the dark with the headphones on <laughs> and then you can use bits to just shriek in his ear <laughs> randomly so it'll just be a bit intense and you can just yeah but it's that it's that sort of <laughs> It's a man, it's the funniest thing. He shits his pants all the time and he gets so visibly angry. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, oh, it's, it's so fun to watch. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really inspired watching people like, uh, like Gareth and, and let me do these things and go, fuck, there is that, you know, don't be wrong. I, lo- I love stand-up and stand-up, regardless of whatever form it exists and I will always do it. That is my, it's what I was put on this earth to fucking do. But if I could earn money from playing computer games and being a dick, I'm going to do that as well. <laughs> like, why, um, why didn't you decide to do Zoom comedy shows? There was talk like at the beginning of the year. And that's not my fucking job. <laughs> but you could have, I don't know, stayed in contact with fans, remain, like earned a bit of money. I don't know. I don't know. I do, I've got a real issue with taking money off my fans. Like the fact that uh, I've, cons- it's one of the very few things that uh, me and my agent butt heads over is ticket prices and stuff. I think comedy should be affordable at all times. Um, I, to any comedian that charges fucking over 100 quid a ticket, I understand why you're doing it, but I think it's dishonest. Like you don't get to go on stage and fucking pretend to be an everyman and try and relate to these people when. You know, you're going. Give me, give me two weeks worth of your fucking money. So I just, I just, and and I've always had a problem. It's the same reason I've, I don't sell merch because just to me, I know I need to get past it, but to me, it just feels like why am I taking? You've already given me some of your money. Like I don't want to. I don't want to take anything more for you. I'm just like you've, I'm doing well already. I don't need. <laughs> this. I've got real, um, yeah, just guilt when it comes to that shit. Um, whereas, and also. 
I, I'm in charge of my fucking life. My fans do not get to dictate a single part of what I create, what I do, and that's how it works. It's, uh, I, you know, I, I don't, I create shows that I want to do. I create things I want to do, make people laugh, but occasionally people like, you've had all this time off people be like why haven't you done your fucking podcast I'm sorry cunt what do I fucking owe you <laughs> like, what, what, do, what do I owe you beyond nothing I owe you nothing um, here's uh, I'm about to drop a name here um, but it's, it's David Schwimmer uh, um, he uh, after the ne- got in contact after my Netflix specials came out because he's a massive comedy fan and uh, I was doing a show in LA and it was my first show since having been on Netflix and it was at the improv and it was, you know, there was a real buzz when I went on stage and I was trying to hang out with him afterwards and uh, I just kept going off and people were like, can I get a phone, can I get a phone? I was like, yeah, yeah, of course, because I want to fucking please everyone and I'm so grateful for this and I'm just, I wanted to just hang out with fucking Dave and, and drink with him and talk to him and stuff but I keep getting pulled away and I keep saying yes. And uh, eventually two people finally recognised him and they were like, we got a photo and he was like, yeah, no. And they were sort of taken aback, and he just kept on to me, and and they went, "Can we?" And he was like, "No, it's, I appreciate that you're a fan of my work. I'm, I'm very, very grateful." But no, I'm talking to my friend. I'm spending time with my friend, and I was like, "How the fuck did you do that?" Mm. And he, he was like, "He was like, man, I'm so obviously grateful for everything, but I don't owe my fan, I don't owe them anything beyond what I create, beyond what I do. Like, it's fans are amazing, and it's brilliant to have them. But the second that you feel you owe them," something then then the relationship changes and then you resent them and he's like and i don't want to resent people that love me like that's not a nice healthy relationship do you think that that is a little bit of a manifestation again of what you said about perhaps that um feelings of self-worth coming through like i need to continue to please these people a little bit like i'm not sure if i'm worthy of their support therefore like i need to it's the person who doesn't love the girlfriend anymore but is terrified of breaking up with her because deep down he's not sure if he's if he's worthy, I don't know how it how it manifests maybe, for you. Maybe, maybe, and I think also like uh, like I I'm yeah I'm so desperate to please people that if I give them the chance to ask me for something, I know I'll do it. <laughs> so so I don't want to give my fans the ability to ask for something because I don't want to feel obligated to them because I will. Don't start an OnlyFans then. Well, but I've got a, such a lovely cock. <laughs> <laughs> um, did people get sad when they found out that you got a girlfriend? That the army of singletons that you created with Jigsaw, did they feel like their leader had betrayed them? Uh, some of the ones that didn't pay attention to a word of the show did. Yes, absolutely. But my, you know, people who man, I, I like I, the reason I also I don't go into my DMs on Instagram that much is because. Man, Jigsaw and Dark re- and X as well really fucking resonate with some people, like to a point where it's it's kind of cultish and, and not in a bad way, but just I'd never considered how much you know material would impact people's lives and stuff. And there's a level of responsibility and, and fear that I have there um, that I just rather avoid. Why? Why do you not want to see what the people say? Uh, because I'll feel responsible for them. Like I, I when Jigsaw, when Netflix started first started coming out, I was in my Instagram DMs all the time because it was a new level of attention. People would tell me they fucking love me, and then you start responding, and then you start speaking to people who go through really are going through really really hard times. You you know some of my fans are suicidal, and and they start telling me about that, and I'm suddenly, I'm, of course, I'm conversating with these people because I don't want them to fucking kill themselves. And but it was always when my agent was like, "You've got to step way, you are bad. way, no bad from the DM inbox." Yeah, now. you can't. 
Um, so with the the there's I've definitely noticed when I, I don't post about my girlfriend much on uh, online, and that's not because uh, I'm ashamed of her. It's just because she's fucking hideous, and it's just not. Uh, <laughs> no, <laughs> um, because I I agreed to this life. I signed the deal with the devil uh, for the for the life of fame and success. And if she wants to sign that contract herself, she's allowed to sign that contract herself. But just because she's my girlfriend doesn't mean she's she automatically um, should be in the world. But when I do talk about her online, you get some fucking stupid people in the comments be like, oh my God, what about Jigsaw? I'm like, if you actually watch the show, the whole point of it is I absolutely believe in love. I've always fucking believed in love. My parents have been together for 35 years. There's no divorces anywhere. But I know love is real and it does exist. I just get, I was always annoyed and I still get annoyed by fake bullshit love, the emulations of love, the fucking cut, the, you know, it's been cut with other things, obligation and responsibility and fear of loneliness. It's not pure. It's just shite fucking methy love <laughs> and uh yeah and I, and I and i still fucking rail against that but um for me now man this is the, i'm i'm properly in love like i would not have gone through this uh lockdown if it hadn't been for you know my girlfriend she really um i don't know she just made she made me confident in you know in the bits of me that i was never confident in before so most people are very, very happy because they can see that, you know, she makes me happy and stuff. And then, um, also, man, I, don't, I couldn't give a shit what people say online, like from the bottom of my heart. Like if anyone tweets or describes me anything negative, I don't reply because I find it the equivalent of saying no you to a dog's fart. <laughs> like it's so unimpactful. How, so do, you, how do you deal with sort of vitriol and, and hate and criticism and stuff online? By knowing I'm fucking better than every one of them. <laughs> <laughs> what an answer. <laughs> why would why would I give a fucking wet hot shit about what Sam sad cunt in a fucking darkened room smashed his fucking cheesy fucking fingertips into on me? Fuck off. Like I fuck in what world in what world would that opinion ever affect me? Who that? the fuck are you to affect my opinion of myself? Fuck off. Get fuck. You only get to see what I let you fucking see. What I let you pay me to fucking see. <laughs> fucking, oh. There's the old me. He's still in he's, there. Oh, he's still got it, yeah. I know, but I don't like that. I don't that? like that side of myself. It's horrible. But you got to turn it on and turn it off, you know? What was it that you said when we were out for, we were out for lunch and someone had done something similar criticised you about something and you said who the fuck are you cunt my house has got two kitchens (laughs) (laughs) but that's a horrible side of myself that's that's the bit of me that's not capable of taking criticism yeah yeah yeah. Yeah, what a horrible side of me that I'm like you know what I'm better than you because I earn more that's you know that's the bits that always come up in you know therapy I'm like fuck. Where, where's this darkness come from? What's that about? Yeah, it's the second kitchen. That's uh, where it. That's where it lurks. Because you you moved your girlfriend in. Yes. The the tactical implication of that was that you thought you were going to have an empty house that she would keep clean. Yes. No. No. That's just a horrible joke. I say. <laughs> no. No. My girlfriend moved to the January because I love her dear, dearly. But and was quite a good decision given the foreseeable pandemic. Yes, I was. That going, you didn't know about. I was going to be on tour uh, for ages, so it was sort of like I moved into the house and, um, I bought the I bought the house in mind to, for it to be a family house. And I was like, I walked in, I was like, oh, this is the house that I'll raise my children in. Um, so we moved in and we knew I was going to be away a lot. Um, 
which we were used to, but it was gonna it was gonna be so much less than the previous year. So that was exciting. And then uh, we were so worried as well because she's she's got a real job and stuff. So she, like even when I was home, she would have her nine to five. We used to have this really fucking funny routine in January, which was I'd wake up every morning and I'd, and I'd make her a packed lunch for, for her to go to work because I was home and I'd never been home before and I just got to. You're a kept man. I well no no no. She, she, people go you've changed. I go no no no. This I've seen my father. I know my like this is. This has always been inside of me, like the you know my, the 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 romantic side of me, the the kind gentle side. I just fucking put down for years and years because it wasn't funny on stage, <laughs> and then uh, it's been allowed to um, flourish a little bit more. Uh, so you were house husbanding in it for a little while, yeah, like, man. Punches and hoovering, and I'd love to, man. Man, it's good fucking life. I'd love to be a house bitch. Like if in the fucking future, if she wants to, because she she really likes her job, and I'd love to be a fucking stay at home dad. What a life! And I'm not and to any parent being like it's not easy. I know being a parent isn't fucking easy, <laughs> but I relish the challenge of it. Like, uh, I'd like, uh, yeah. I can't wait to be a dad, man. Yeah, like, me like there's something something interesting about being sort of around about thirty as a a man. Everyone talks about like it's a such a trope to talk about women have turned thirty and she's still single. She, you know, sort of the biological mm. clocks ticking. And you're like, oh fucking hell, mate! Like, how old's that joke? Aye, but. There is an equivalent for men. Like I find myself not doting because that's too much. But children used to be disgusting, and I wanted to throw things at them. Uh, and now I'm not completely repulsed. Oh, see, no, I. So we've gone as you've. I think you, there's a scale that you slide up and down. I'm lagging behind you a little, am I? Oh, I've always loved kids. Okay. So, but, but I think we've increased. Careful, the same you, careful what you say. Uh, I've always loved kids. Man, the amount. The, this is genuinely something that constantly comes up in my stand-up. Because uh, in the show X, I was talking. I had a routine about how much I love kids. Unfortunately, I also pepper all of my sentences with the word "fucking." So there were several, several times on tour where I, without just not, because th- I'm thinking about the next joke, I'm thinking about a number of other things, instead of saying, I fucking love kids, <laughs> I'd say I love fucking kids. And and some days, some days I'd catch it, but I know there were other days, <laughs> days I didn't. There were other days we just mid-show, I'd be like, well, I, fu- I love fucking kids, man. Because for me, it's like, it's, it's, it's not, I'm not using the word fucking as a verb. It's a, it's an advert. It's garnish, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the, it's the flavor. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fucking this, fuck that shit off. You know, it's... Yeah. Yeah, yeah man. I, I, there is something, there's something interesting. And there's not a, an archetype for that. And I think that, like, men probably could do with speaking about that a little bit more. The fact that you do, you can desire yeah. a family and oh, it's still masculine to want that, even though you haven't I got I can't imagine kid. anything more. And also, for, why does it have to be fucking masculine? But, and again, I say this as somebody who deals with his own toxic masculinity <laughs> regularly. You all saw it come out about 15 minutes ago. <laughs> um, but I, man, I, I don't, I don't, I've, I've never, with toxic masculinity, I've never understood the the bit of it that's, that men can't feel love or shouldn't feel love. I don't, I don't believe that. I don't believe that fucking trope at all. Like my dad adores his fucking family, even though I've not seen my, I'd never seen my dad cry much. He wasn't necessarily hiding from me, but he never, you know, my dad, my dad never struggled to say I love you. It would never, it wasn't difficult for him. Like men can still very much be like, I love you. That's a fucking man. And still be men. Yeah. Yeah. And if, and if, if, if being, a strong man is important to you, which it is to some men, and I don't think that's something we should admonish. It's nice to feel strong sometimes. It's 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 a good sort of thing. It's just when 
if when your ability to appear strong doesn't allow you those moments of weakness or softness or that's when it's bad. But this general idea of I want to be big and strong, I want to be a protector. Okay, just as long as as long as you're happy and sensible with it. For me, it absolutely fits in with uh, being a man. I want to be a dad. I want to protect my family. I want to fucking raise them to be good men. That's a, you know, my granddad was always what to make sure that it's so I'm going to be a good man. You get those generations that they're like, it's all about being good. Is that a Scottish but, thing? Uh, no, I don't think so. No. Um, I mean, maybe. There's a lot of cunts down here, so maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you are right. It's, um, I don't know, man, I think it's really interesting the sort of where men are at at the moment. There seems to be a lot of different kind of roots peeling off. You'll have heard of MGTOW, Men Going Their Own Way, which is basically, it's like, um, imagine militant feminism, and then flip it completely opposite. So it's men saying we don't need women. Um, basically, the only way to win the game is not to play, is what they think. So it's men who perhaps have been scorned by women, yeah. who are, um, just don't really like the dynamic that's going on. Some divorcees, some men that have never had partners or never had families. And um, you've got that going one way. And then me and you talking about, like, I can't wait to be a dad. No. I'm really excited to have kids. I think I'm going to be, hopefully, going to be a good, a good father. Oh, God, you know? men need therapy, man. Really, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. It, it, I see both sides of it because I see how hurtful relationship breakups can be. And so do you. Oh, and, and for some people, they would rather than deal with the risk of that occurring again. Yeah. Would just say... No, but that's not. What, but yeah, but I don't believe that's what they're doing. What they're doing is 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 they're compressing their feelings into to the point where it's becoming carbon and coal in their bodies, and they're using that fuel to burn hatred. Whereas, you know, if you if you didn't fucking compress it with inside of you, you wouldn't be filled with this fuel of fucking anger. Therapy, man. Therapy is the tits, and it's. Uh, I think it's an absolute fucking disgrace that it's. Uh, it's something. It's a form of privilege. Like, like I can afford to go to therapy. Um, and the, I don't, there are obviously three forms of uh, therapy uh, that people can go to, but they're difficult to get. It's not available to everyone. It's not readily fucking available. And um, I just don't think it's... Especially this fucking year, man. Like, everyone needs therapy. Therapy isn't a fix to anything. The way I describe it, therapy is just putting a condom on the dick of 2020 before it fucks you in the ass. Like, it's not, it doesn't get rid of the dick. You're still going to get fucked in the ass, but God, it stops some of the diseases getting in. It's a bit smoother. Like, it's a process. Like, it's not a fix. Meditation isn't a fix. It's all a process, man. You just give yourself these tools so that when you're going through good times, give yourself all the tools and all the knowledge that when things do get harder, that you're able to, you know, if you're one of these people that is so bad at asking for fucking help, give yourself the tools so that next time, you don't have to, and also just ask for help, you stupid cunt. <laughs> What's it been? Psychotherapy? Um, no, I just uh, so what happened was after the after my tour last year, uh, I lost a lot of myself. I was very I just overworked, overworked. I just snapped. Uh, didn't like who I was. Didn't like how I was. Uh, didn't like how I was. I was treating my agent. Uh, didn't like how I was speaking to people. Uh, didn't like how short tempered I was. Um, so I just literally emailed a thing and I was just like, hello. And I just like, I fucking don't like who I am. I'd like to start going to therapy. And uh, they emailed back and they were like, this is what we recommend you go with. And ever since then, it's just once a week. And the first couple of ones is like, if you're a psychopath like I am, it's just you playing chess against a man trying to help you. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, I'm literally, I'm literally playing yeah, this What do man. you want? Yeah. What do you want? <laughs> I... 
how are we? Yeah, I'm paying can this. I win? Yeah, yeah, I'm paying. I'm paying this man. I'm like, oh no, you're trying to get that out of me. And he's like, yes, yes, I am. What is this? Yeah, that's you, why you're here. Yeah, if you paid me for a fucking jewel, um, <laughs> and uh, but no, for me, it's it's just been a, it's been nice to. Because it's not that I don't have a support network, and you know you don't go to therapy just because you don't have anyone to talk to. Like I've I've got family that loves me deeply. I've got a very loving relationship. I've got friends. I can phone you anytime I want. We can talk about things. But that's not what therapy is. Therapy is somebody on the outside, somebody unbiased, somebody who is going to like listen and help and just recognize your patterns of thoughts and and sort of going hey hey you say there's a lot but that's not true like i didn't realize i had anxiety uh with my therapist one time he's like how's your anxiety i'm like i don't think what anxiety what anxiety <laughs> and he, he, like they're not allowed to roll their eyes but he did what do you mean oh, yeah, i don't yeah no, no don't have anxiety he goes how do you feel when anyone's late to something, I'm like, they should die. They should be shot dead. <laughs> in 2020, there's not a single reason to be fucking late to anything. Everything tells you how long it takes to get somewhere. There's clocks on every fucking screen. To be late in 2020 is a willful decision. And he goes, how do you feel when you're late for things? I'm like, I would never be late for anything because it would be a fucking disgrace. And if I do, I'll... he's like, that's anxiety. <laughs> and I was like, huh? Oh, right. And when I realized that, just that small little realization of like, okay, here's a, here's a moment in your life where your brain shat itself, right? <laughs> where it just had a fucking whitey. Internally, it had a fucking whitey. Yeah. You then reflect back on other things and go, oh, I wasn't right in that moment. Or the reason I freaked out then was because of this. For one of the big things I discovered through um, meditation as well as uh, therapy, and I don't know how whether this is shocking news to other people or whether it's just for me, I didn't realise that it wasn't my own thoughts, right? So for so long, because of all my thoughts in my head have always been so good and positive, I've always believed in them. For the past 12 years, my brain would be like, Sloss, you're the fucking best. And I'd be like, God, I am, fucking, the I am the best. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd go on stage, an audience would confirm it, and I'd be like, fucking thanks, brain. Yeah, you're right, I am the best. I'm so fucking good. But my brain would tell me all these positive things. And because of my life was going well, I believed this internal monologue. I fully related to it. And then when lockdown hit, my brain was like, you're fucking worthless and pointless. I was like, well, that must be true too. <laughs> that must be. It's been right for the past 12 years. Why would it not be right now? So my brain's going, you're worthless and pointless. And I'm fucking sitting there being like, fuck it, you are nailing it again, brain. You are spawned with all of these assessments. Fuck, you know me so well. And then suddenly I'm like, why am I wallowing? Why am I sad? Oh. <laughs> it's you. It's these. It's it's some of your thoughts are good and a lot of them are. And some of them are neither good nor bad. They're just weird thoughts that you relate to yourself. And therapy for me has just been helping me realising the occasional moments where my brain, I'm just like, oh, shut the fuck up, you stupid cunt. Not now. <laughs> it's nice. I, and I thoroughly recommend it to uh, people who can get it. But... It's also, it's really, I'd love to at some point in the future do, it would be a dream of mine to get it fucking free everywhere, to get it on the NHS properly. That'd be so good. But we're about to hit National Mental Health Week. I think that's two weeks' time, something like that in the UK. Yeah. And um, I agree, man. I, I think after this year, we need more than a week. <laughs> yeah, it needs to be National Mental Health Year. Uh, um, yeah. I don't know. I think definitely therapy, the stigma around that could do with being fixed. A lot. Like the fact that to say that you're going to therapy, most people 
Im- take that as an implication that there's something wrong with you. Yeah. It's like, no, I can just be better. All I'm right. functioning. I mean, I, I haven't walked out into open traffic. I'm not right. screaming racist slurs on street corners. Like, yeah. I haven't shat myself. Also, like, there know. was something wrong with me. I didn't like myself. Yes. And that, and if you don't like yourself, that is something wrong with you. You should like yourself. You should love who you are. You mm-hmm. know, it doesn't, and just because you like who you are and love who you are doesn't mean you're fucking perfect and you're not in need of fucking improvement. But if you don't like yourself, you're wrong. That's a problem. Get that. Get that sorted. New book. What's happening with the book? Uh, it, it has been uh, delayed because of this, um, because it's because it's being released in America first, because uh, it's an American book. Um, we want to make sure that we could uh, do a book tour with it, like go out and. and get... How do you do a book tour as a comedian? Do you play a comedy show that's around the book? Yeah, um, essentially, it would just be, be kind of fun. It would essentially just be no, no, no. I would just go on the road and do my show, and then afterwards just do. Uh, signings. book signings oh, yeah. and, and then sort of go to the bookstores around the country and um, I've, I don't know I've never done one you ever said the word cunt in a water stones you could do oh yeah that'd be yeah, kind yeah, of fun yeah, yeah. you've seen it you've seen, you've seen the cunts they get in water stones of course yeah, but how are you doing it in there you're walking around and you know what I mean I well, I mean I, I would love to I, I, I would be thrilled to see what, what parts of the book they would let me read in the water stones uh, if, if, if oh no I mean it will be released in the UK Eventually, but once it's, I'm also rewriting it at the moment. Just yeah, you mentioned you making it, making a few changes here. And yeah, there. just um, I, I wrote a chapter on. Well, I want to now write a chapter on mental health because uh, in January I thought I was the fucking god at it. I was like fucking, t- you know, it was one of those uh, that utter utter arrogance of like, oh look, look, hi, hey, mental health is very very important for other people <laughs> who have problems with it, and I support them from a distance, but I don't because I'm perfect. So. Uh, no self-reflection, bye. Um, whereas now that I've been helped immensely thanks to uh, therapy and and upon self-reflection and meditation, I want to do a bit on that. I also, um, just upon a bit of further fucking reflection, I didn't, there was a couple of chapters in there where it was just the, the, the ego was still in there and it wasn't in irony, there wasn't enough reflection in it and um, also, there was I wrote a chapter on you know America, and because I do love America for many many reasons, and I, I, I dislike many many things about it, but I sort of wrote this chapter trying to explain how difficult that was. But it was uh, I think I was I, I genuinely think I was being too gentle because uh, my experience of America was as a was as a successful white man. And upon us during lockdown, one of the things I did was started studying American history because I find it fascinating and learning about the country more and then seeing everything that's happened, especially this year. Uh, I think I was too fucking gentle. I think anything that was written at the beginning of this year. Null and void. Yeah. yeah. Like you can't expect. And there's something bizarre as well. You can create a YouTube video. I could publish something now that we recorded in January and just like title it as like was recorded in January. And no one really gives a shit. Aye. Aye. However, if you write a book, there's something about it that's like supposed to be evergreen and incarnate, you know? Like it transcends time and yes. space and people presume, I think it's part, partly the medium, it's so fucking bourgeois, people just presume that it's like, it's got the 2020 vision, Aye. literally. And um, I can imagine that if you had written that, it would have felt like you'd kind of cemented something that you probably didn't agree with. Yes, I like, and I was so grateful to my publishers. They instantly, Random House, when I was like, I'd like to update it. They were like, excuse me. Yes. I'm like, hello, I was wrong about a bunch of things. And they were like, thank God you said. Has it gone to print? Because it's going to print tomorrow. <laughs> um, uh, they have been so understanding. 
uh, with it. Because, yeah, I, I also have a real problem with being um, proud of work that I've done. Like, uh, I can't accept them as stamps of times and things. Like, I watch old material and I go, oh, I was wrong then. And I can't put myself in the position. I was like, yes, but you felt at the time and things have changed and you've changed. So I, I don't watch any of my old shows. Um, they make me very uncomfortable. Um you said that you've, I think I've heard you say before, that you kind of watch recent stuff to refine your um, yeah, yeah, process, but there's like like maybe an 18-month window and like anything before that is deleted. From Absolutely, yeah, dead, history. dead, can't watch myself. Fucking, uh, if, if sometimes, <laughs> this is a shit thing to say, <laughs> but sometimes when I watch some of my fucking old stand-up, I'm just, I'm like, my fans are the dumbest coming <laughs> Just sitting watching this fucking shite stand-up, this fucking young, cocky piece of shit talking shite and I'm like fucking how did people ever fall for that you fucking charlatan isn't that the way that everything's supposed to be though like I can't bear to go back and listen to the first hundred episodes Uh of this show I'm like oh my god what's going on but the thing is if that's the way that you look at stuff you know that in a hundred more episodes or in three more years you're going to look at the stuff that you've just done now and Uh think what a what an idiot how are you terrible? It's always that. That growth mindset is always going to leave the previous you in the dust. That is the implication of growth, I think. Aye, but I, but I also... Yes, but with, with growth and with age should come wisdom. And if you apply wisdom to your past self, you should be able to be exactly. like, hey, yeah, go away. That was me then, right? And I don't hate that. And I'm different now, and I prefer the changes I've made now. I like who I am, but I don't hate that. Person, that's hopefully what the wisdom of years brings, but I just don't have it yet. Not yet. Maybe no, yeah. maybe fifty or sixty. So what's what's next? Are you able to make plans for the future at the moment? So you got a couple of book chapters to write. A couple of book chapters to write. Uh, the second I get an internet connection, I will be uh, attempting to uh, get onto Twitch, just fucking explore, see what that is, because it's. I don't want to go in with too many many expectations. I want to just see what it is and see whether I am good at it. Um, and then hopefully just tours, man. Um, like. I mean, we just don't. We just don't know anything at the moment. It's I'm really, really enjoying now because even though uh, gigs can be pulled at any fucking moment, we had a gig at the stand in Newcastle pulled last week because just health and safety concerns. Um, that's the sort of world we live in now. Uh, I'm enjoying the time at home, and I'm actually really enjoying the time at home now. Uh, uh, now that I'm now that I'm friends with my brain again, <laughs> like it's it's a good time. Like I. Um, enjoy. I usually reconnecting with friends, man. Because for so many years touring and travelling and stuff, I'd ne- I didn't get to nurture any friendships. Like it was very much. I said to my friends, "I'm like, hey, these are the two weeks I'm back." And I'm literally two of my two of my closest friends, the Alleys, for years and years, and they were such good friends. I was like, whenever I'm back from tour, do not fucking invite me to your house. If you want to see me, you'll come to where I live. Because I spend most of my time on the road. So when I'm home, I want to be home. I don't, I don't want to go to where you live. I don't want to fucking meet. You come to me, which is a totalitarian Nazi stance <laughs> to friendship. <laughs> but one which I sort of had to do for years. And now, now I don't. I get to be a, I get to be a better friend. I get to be a better brother. You're a normal guy, right? I, I like. This is, this is the thing I think a lot of people don't see in success. Like the price that you pay to be at the absolute precipice of the top of your particular field Mm. is a lot of sacrifices that the person who is 98% of the way to where you are Mm. isn't because 98% of the effort is the returns go like that. Everybody knows there's Mm. like, I don't know, maybe 200 to 500 comedians on the planet that 
are ever going to have a Netflix special like yeah. within the next however long like or maybe no maybe not even that maybe a hundred a hundred yeah. like comedians like okay so to get there the difference between you and the next guy has to be so so great yeah. so that two percent is actually maybe another double the workload to just get that extra little bit in and unfortunately that is the sacrifices of 300 date tours, tours and right. you know playing I remember we were talking you were saying it almost got to the stage where you didn't feel like a comedian anymore it was like a performance and right. time away from friends and like can you deal with that suffering like do you want that as a, a an upcoming uh, actor comedian writer right. you know do you want to be working to that kind of a schedule with that kind of suffering with that kind of sacrifice because if you don't you're going to outwork them aye and you've and unfortunately it almost becomes like a battle of attrition. Like we've realized that with the show. Well, I think it, I think it, I think it depends on the type of success you want. Like if you want to be uh, the the prodigy, if you want to be the uh, first to do it or the youngest to do it or the, the quickest for, for a lot of things, uh, then yes, it is um, about that, and and it's about that extra two percent. But so many of the greatest comedians of all time, and, and I will I will even put this into most of the other art forms as well and, and a lot of jobs, uh, they are the best not for how fast they did it, but for how consistently they did it over the years. Like Bill Barr, who's widely regarded now as one of the greatest of all time, in, in my opinion, rightfully so. Uh, he's, been doing for, he's been doing it for fucking 30 years. He's been doing it non-stop for 30 years, and we only just, I mean, the he only really came into the forefront in the past five years, right? People go, where did he come from? No, what do you mean where he come? He's always been there. He's always been there. 25 years of hard, regular graft where, you know, he was working, making a lot of the um, sacrifices. I mean, there's so many brilliant comedians that only are being recognised in their 50s. You know, Tom Stade worked his ass off since he was 18 and there's now, I think, I think, sorry if you're watching, Stade. I think he's fucking 50 now. He's nearly dead. <laughs> um, he's getting the recognition um, now. Uh, and then there's two ways to do it. And I went for the speedy fucking first one and thankfully this year forced me to slow down. But... Um, I don't know, I, th- I still think that fucking hunger's there. I still, as, as, as much as it's been nice to be a bit uh, docile. Yeah. Uh, I'm, de- I'm, def- I'm not fucking done. So I feel like that as well. I think a lot of people might do too. I wonder how many of the listeners can uh, resonate with this. The fact that it does feel a little bit like you've become domesticated, literally mm-hmm. and mentally, that you can't, I've been relatively low energy, like relatively sort of low charisma, like, who am I going to be big dick to? Uh, like myself on camera or the one guest that I'm speaking to on the other side of this, uh, of the show. Like that's not going to happen. Like the, the couple of friends that I've s- snuck in at like 4 p.m. before the restaurants close. Do you know what I mean? Like uh, you don't get to, you don't have that, that gas in you so much anymore. And I think that there's going to be a lot of people who get re-released into the wild who are going to have latent energy that's mm. going to catapult them through. And I think that's going to be really exciting. I do too. I think, uh, if if and when the world goes uh, back to normal, um, there'll be people who have a new sense of fire under their ass. Unfortunately, there's also plenty of people, especially in the arts, who've just... I can't imagine... I, th- I think this pandemic has probably caused the loss of the greats of many, many fucking things. People who, in the arts, who were able to do the arts because they were able to subsidise it with a fucking job, but now can't focus on their passion because they're just trying to fucking make ends meet. I know so many good comedians who have just gone, 
I'm not a comedian anymore. Like I can't. There's no work. And I and I that'll go to over to art. It'll go over to you know acting. It'll go to all this. Fucking even not even just the arts. Fucking plumbers, technicians, programmers. Oh, maybe not. They could do it from home. Athletes. Athletes. Yeah. I I truly think we've lost. Uh, COVID has caused the loss of a generation of greats. And uh, we we don't know what the long term effects of COVID are. I think we're gonna have a generation of kids who you know born for the first six months of those crucial development years where they only got to see both of their parents. What are the long-term effects of that? The first six months of your life is only two faces. <laughs> what are the long-term, if any? Um, but one of the other long-term effects is, you know, maybe they'll just be in 25 fucking years, a bunch of time when art sucks for a bit. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's a plumber. Aye, aye. Football's just a little bit shiter. Well, I fucking... I'm, I'm, I have to say, I really enjoy the football without the fan noise. Like, I just think... Because there's a DJ. Have you seen this? I the, have. Like the, yeah, fake, yeah. the fake noise and the press. And how good are those fucking... De- like, sometimes they get it wrong. Yeah. It's very funny when they get it wrong. <laughs> like, it's, they're like, Wah! oh no, it's miles off target. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, mind you, but fans did that as well. That was... You know, the amount of times I thought much, you go, hey, what do you mean it didn't go in? Oh, fuck, yeah. Uh, So two questions. First one, um, if someone's had some challenges with their relationship during COVID, what would you say, any any bits of advice of how they might be able to deal with it a little bit better? Oh, man, I I mean, here's one of the stances I still stand by thoroughly in Jigsaw is if your relationship requires any fucking effort. (laughs) Even during a pandemic? Man, I, me and my girlfriend didn't fall out once. And then again, don't get me wrong, I know there's going to be fucking people who've been married for 25 years <laughs> and they're going to be like, you're still in the fucking Just honeymoon wait. phase. Just wait. Uh, you're still in the honeymoon phase. Maybe. Or maybe I didn't fall in love with a cunt. Um, who knows? We'll never know. <laughs> we'll know in 25 years time. <laughs> um, no, I, oh man, no advice. I, like, because I'm, I'm in a shitty, not a shitty position, I'm in a really good position where I didn't have to non-representative position and also yeah I I thoroughly recommend people watch uh, Jigsaw during quarantine where can they get that now it's still on Netflix Netflix. is it still on Netflix awesome that's that's quite a long time it's been on two years Uh, yeah I think I think they I think they have it forever (laughs) is it I'm genuinely not sure fuck me uh, I don't know I mean where else would it go (laughs) well I don't know I don't know how long I had it up there I don't know how long it's up there Uh, fun thing Lessons from 2020. What's going to be the biggest lesson that you take away from 2020? Uh, and, and, and had I heard myself say this in January, I would have knocked myself out. But uh, just fucking take better care of yourself. Take responsibility for uh, your physical health. Take responsibility for your mental health. Um, and I, like, I, like this year, it, it took a real fucking... Not to the confidence, but I'm glad that, you know, that I did have the the courage and the strength to go to therapy and to seek help. That, you know, I did stick to, you know, meditation and, you know, learning about myself and just deciding to go, fuck, I need to slow down. Like last year was really hard and admitting that I was having a hard time, which is hard to do because we're also reluctant to admit we're having a hard time because everyone's having a hard time. So you don't want to admit it. So you go, oh, I know all these other people in a worse position. So how dare I think I'm in a bad position? And that's not true for anyone. That's not how the world works. And if you think that way, get it out of your fucking head. You're allowed to be as miserable as you want to be. Uh, but do what you can to to not feel that way. We all deserve to be happy. 
I love it, man. It's an oddly uh, an oddly balanced and positive way for us to finish one of these. <laughs> it's usually berating people that we don't mm-hmm. like. Well, wait, wait until wait until like wait, let's go, let's come back in a year's time when like, comedy's back and I'll be like, listen here, fuckers, I'm back. I'm confident again. You're all fucking pussies. <laughs> Remember all of that stuff that I said last oh, year. Yeah. He was a right. dick. Tell you what, it turns out you shouldn't love yourself. You should just fucking love me. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! So book out next year. Book out next year. It's Twitch? Have you got Twitch yet? Uh, I am. Yes, uh, it's Daniel Sloss, I think, uh, or Daniel underscore Sloss. It's not a common name. You'll find me, but I don't have any followers on it yet, and the account's barely set up because once again, slowest internet connection in the world. Still, mm-hmm. where else? Instagram. Where, where uh, Instagram. Um, also, watch Netflix. Watch Jigsaw. Yeah, go on. Dark, go on uh, Netflix to watch uh, Dark and Jigsaw, and also if you follow, go on my website danielsloss.com. We're adding two dates. We're not tour dates. We're having dates all the time. We'll be doing spots in random places over the next couple of months. And uh, just uh, really come, come see me while I'm humble again. What a unique opportunity! I know. Yeah, small, small beard. <laughs> There's people watching this being like, "I can't believe he thinks he was humble." Man, <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much. As always, Pleasure. shouldn't have done that. Illegal, absolutely illegal. This. Thank you very much for tuning in. If you enjoyed that episode, please send it to a friend. It would make me very, very happy indeed, and it is the best way that this show grows. Also, if you haven't picked up a copy of my Ultimate Life Hacks list yet, then what are you doing? Head to chriswillex.com slash lifehacks and pick up your free ebook today with over 200 ways that you can upgrade your existence for free chriswillx.com slash lifehacks. But for now, goodbye, friends.